this week on another episode of the 35th and Jackson podcast. You've got it. And, and missing the wide open ones because it's not very often that they are open and he's got a clean pocket. You've got to hit those throws. You can't see that Jamar Jefferson was beyond the line <laughs> twice. I mean, you, you just need help mentally, I think, or you have a gambling problem. There was yeah. the terrible not roughing the kicker but running into the kicker. I mean, when you slide into a plant leg, I'm pretty sure that's roughing. Why are we doing this? I don't know. <laughs> Contractual obligation? Fourth and short. Do they convert? No. Try again next time, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody will notice in this 8 o'clock time slot. The Beavers are screwed again. It is Andy, Brat, and Con with another edition of the 35th and Jackson podcast. We are so excited to be here today after the last two weeks that have unfolded. It is a great day to be a Beaver. So let's jump right into it. Oregon State goes down to Washington 27-21 at the hands of the officials. Don't say that lightly. It's not usually something we'll complain about here, but this was a horrendous call of all calls. But before we get into the juice of everything, just want to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by our good friend in his business, Ascend JD. Getting fit can be an uphill battle, so why not ditch your boring COVID-covered gym and try to climb a real mountain? Ascend JD will help you shed your beer gut one agonizing vertical mile at a time. JD and his team of experienced climbers have stood atop every mountain in the glorious Cascade Range and have the patience to work with lazy losers of all ages and abilities. Ascend JD, find your peak fitness. A con job in the game against Washington. The Huskies win 27-21 after the officials marked Jamar Jefferson short twice in a row, twice with no explanation, even though his entire body was beyond the line. So unless the ball was being held... Uh, and the game his feet had clearly made a first down. So I just would like to leave that important to me. Uh, I don't really want to anything else because that is what what I feel coming into today. That is our emotion in this broadcast. Why don't you guys just jump in? I mean, it wasn't even the first bad call of the game or the second. I mean, there was the terrible pass interference call. Um, yep. Granted, yeah, pass bad. interference is judgment, but still, I don't know how there's not pass interference on every single route there ever is. And also, that ball was not even close to catchable. Atrocious. There was yep. the terrible not roughing the kicker, but running into the kicker. I mean, when you slide into a plant leg, I'm pretty sure that's roughing. I don't, again, what is roughing the kicker then if it's not sliding into a plant leg? So, seeing them botch a fourth and one spot, not surprised whatsoever. Pac-12 after dark, it's what we get. Got to protect uh, UW, and uh, I don't know. That's that's what my thoughts on on that portion of the game. The rest of the game, do you want that now, Andy? No, uh, Con can do. Con can talk first. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. My thing is, I really don't get upset at judgment calls because, I mean, the person's just dumb. You know, when they make judgment calls, like, not intelligent. What Brock brought up about the plant leg, that that actually is the one that most infuriated me because 
literally the it's a it's a rule it's not a judgment it's a rule um just like even on the pi call it should have been holding on the yes. on yeah. the db not pi okay because pi means that the ball's in the air and catchable if, if they called holding i would have said okay you know he held him but but that's the thing that is frustrating and this is this is in general in the pac 12 and, and we've seen this in basketball too um just people call I mean like when 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 you see a ref say oh he, he got him across the arm he and they and they do the motion where they you know do the X that's not a real basketball call that's not like a hit they say hit that's not a call okay it's a hold block or push Th- those are the calls in basketball okay so it would be considered a hold so they should make the holding motion not oh he hit him on the arm or you know, some some refs even just you know sit like they they do the tripping motion, which is a block as well. Um, so you know that's the thing that gets me is officials that don't know the actual rules or or they just have a stroke out, and that that on the on the roughing the kicker that was exactly that. Literally, they hit his plant leg. It doesn't matter if they if they touched it with their pinky. You can't touch the plant leg. And the plant leg is the leg that is not the that the ball is not kicked with. FYI, okay, that's the plant leg. So you know that's that's just it for me, um, because if you can't see that Jamar Jefferson was beyond the line twice, I mean you you just need help mentally, I think, or you have a gambling problem. And so you know, and even on Scott Van Pelt's bad beats, that that the play was on there twice, and it's and it's apparent. And the, and they're not and they, even Scott Van Pelt mentions like well, what's going on, like he he was just legitimately confused and he's like what, like what he was in the, and the the first down is clearly at the four yard line and he goes well he he was at the three right and and, the, and they're just speechless on ESPN so that's what I have to say about that for that. Real quick, before we uh, continue to dissect this game and get away from the officiating piece of it, as hard as it is, I'm sure we'll circle back, help ourselves. But I just wanted to say, this week coming up, we got our first midday kickoff, 1230. Oregon State will host the California Golden Bears. ...off a 34 loss at the hands of UCLA. That was surprising, to say the least. Um, so that game's coming up this weekend. Hopefully, Oregon State can finally get in the win column, but... It's going to be a tough battle. Well, let's talk a little bit now that we have uh, let him out. Let's just talk about the Beavers' performance and, and what stood out positively and negatively for you in the game. Yeah, so for me, you know, unlike these guys, again, the official thing, you got to play through the officials thing. You know, yeah, they got jobs, but you know, um, when your QB's throwing it off your guy's helmet, I'm sorry, but come on. Like, I rewatched that play, and they even had that on the bad beats. They, they go, oh, yeah, the final play of the game, he threw it off of his helmet, and it looks really bad, guys. And the, and the other thing about that, I believe it was a fourth and five, maybe even fourth and ten, I'm not sure, actually. But it, it, he was throwing an out, a two-yard out. Like, it, it wasn't even going to be a first down, and he still throws, throws it off a guy's helmet. So, for me in the game, I did. I, I actually liked the improved play calling of getting an f- emphasis on focus on running the ball. I think it could have been there even more. Um, I, I hated the play call of let's 
let's fake direct snap, but direct snap to Jefferson and Jebby is going to motion out and then nobody follows him. And then he gets hurt on that play. That, that was frustrating. Another thing that I'd like to point out, and you know, I, I might get challenged from my colleagues on this, but uh, I, I did not like the finish of the run by Jamar on the third or fourth down play where, where they got jobbed on the spot. I didn't think he really, I mean, he probably though, I, I'm not going to lie. He probably was like, Oh, I obviously got it. Like it's, it, it was probably like, Oh, duh, I'm way past the four yard line. Um, but it, I would have liked to have him finish it a little bit better. And right there, it was frustrating. And Smith kind of said this on the post game of they were already looking for at the, at the first down play call after the third down. So I'm sure it was confusion. They didn't want to waste the timeout, so they just ran the same play that they ran on third down. But I would have liked to see the Jack Coletto package right there. Um, because Jack Coletto, you're not going to stop him. I'm sorry, but you know it's coming. You're not going to stop him on, the, on inside the goal line like that. I, I guarantee you he would have finished the run and gotten it. Um, and again, it's not really a diss on Jamar. It's just a, an observation. And, you know, we, we go through this game still, or, you know, our All-American is invisible on defense. So that's all I'm going to say there. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, again, thought the secondary was fine. The QB for Washington is so bad, though. He was horrible. He was horrible. I, I'm not sure if he was worse than our QB that game, but he was really bad. And he looks like the, yeah, uh, yeah. he looks like Travis from Yellowstone, the guy that gets in trouble for killing a person in the stock trailer. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would. <laughs> so, but anyways, it, it's just a, it's another disappointing week, and it, to me, the special having a special teams touchdown, and, and generally playing having you know a fifty two fifty yard kickoffs, not doing anything with them, it, it's just the lack of execution in these other parts of of the team is pretty unexcusable, and. It's just getting so frustrating to a point where I don't even know if I want to watch games anymore um, the rest of the season, and I'm stating that on here. And you keep threatening. You know, let's it, do it. Let's see it. And, and JD, I, I would like to give a shout-out to our own Ascent JD, and it's ironic that he's the sponsor this week because he got in a little combat with Nick Deshaun on Twitter, <laughs> and all the points he's making are correct. Nick Deshaun goes, oh, well, the other guys don't have much practice, and he goes, well, all these other teams are starting true freshman QBs, and they look fine. You know, if this is the best QB we have, that's really sad about the state of our program. So all valid points. And and there's no – and oh, do you know something I don't? You know, the classic reporter who knows nothing. What a ass. Yeah, I'm saying that on air. <laughs> classic reporter who knows nothing. Oh, do, do you know something I don't? <laughs> you know, trying to act all smart on us? Shut up. Shut up. Okay. You have insider access to the team and you don't know shit. Okay, okay, here we go. Okay. No, I'm not going to be quiet, okay? And don't tell me okay, because I'm sick and tired of reporters saying this. Oh, and, you know, what do you know? Another reporter shows up at the press conference and asks Jonathan Smith if he had a chance to watch this movie. Okay, what do you know? Reporting is embarrassing these days, and it's seriously a joke. I, I also listened to the post-game show, and I texted Andy this, Okay. I listened to the post-game show, Midnight. Literally, it's Midnight. And, and on Joe Radio 1240, there's some guy that has a, has a talk show at 1 a.m. What? And he's and – he's, I, I texted you this. And he's bringing up at 1 a.m. on the West Coast time 
is James Franklin a fraud? He's suspecting his coaching. And I'm like, how does this guy have a show? And we don't. <laughs> we've known that James Franklin is a fraud for years. Okay, I'm sure next week he'll talk about Mario and act like it's new news. But he thought he was like on the cutting edges. Does James Franklin is James Franklin not a good coach? Every time I've interacted with him, he seems pretty fraudulent. Yeah, duh. Where have you been the past five years? Okay. Anyways, the casual observer, which I would consider us more than the casual observer. But my God, guys, get with the 21st century. James Franklin's a fraud. We all know this. We've called him out on the fraud segment many times. It's embarrassing that we don't have a show. Yes, we are working on a sponsor from a financial company, um, Edward Jones. We we will have that sponsor locked in in 2030. <laughs> so just wait for it. And we will have a show. Anyways, kind of di- diverge, diverge from the game, but that's how I feel right now, is we know these things before other people, and it pisses me off, because they have full access to the team, and we don't. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a, this segment means, I mean, I, I'm sick and tired of even talking, of doing this show when we have a lackluster team, and it's embarrassing. Put effort, okay? And yeah, everybody wants to say, oh, look, Trevor Bradford had some good effort on a punt. Yeah, hey, why don't you catch the ball? On the first play of the season, you drop a 10-yard out, okay? And you're a fifth-year senior. So, no, well, catch the ball. I really don't care what you do on In fairness, Connor, soon to be sixth. <laughs> yeah, he gets there you go. Sixth-year senior next year. The Jake Luton style. And, you know, I'm just going to throw this in. We should pull a Gary on Handlebar oh. that Gary did on Bright, okay? Oh. And, and if people don't remember wow. this, Gary no. Gary just basically excommunicated Bright. I don't know what he did because Bright was our best linebacker, our best defensive player the year before Gary got there. And then he just suddenly disappeared from the team and he got cut and tried to go to CFL. So we should pull that crap on Hamilcar because I'm sick of him. I'm sick of his attitude and I'm sick of his lackluster play. If you want to be considered an All-American, you have to be like Chase Young, not invisible. Is Chase Young ever invisible? No. So you're not an All-American. You're not even an All-Pac-12 player. I guess the coaches knew more last year when they didn't vote you first-team All-Pac-12. So I'm calling myself out as a fraud because I called those coaches out as a fraud. Those coaches were right. So all hail Pac-12 coaches (laughs) for not voting Hamilcar first-team. Where are we going with this? All hail. They knew it. They knew it more than we did. You're done. There we go. (laughs) What do you have to say? Me off. I don't know what I'm supposed to follow that up with. Uh, yeah, you I, I will follow true. it up with a little bit more of the game. I disagree somewhat with Khan on the play calling. They figured it out late, but we started off decent, sure, with the tre- uh, Jebbia run. I'm saying the play calling was improved. That's yeah, all I would saying. agree. But, yes. but the first two out, the times they go out there, they go 0 and 3, and then they, what is it, another, I think they got a first down. But Jebby ends up being 0 for 3. You know his first completed pass came off of a play-action play. I mean, I don't get why it's so hard for them to understand that the running game sets up our passing when our O-line cannot pass block very well. Why don't we just do more play-action? Why don't we set Jebby up for success? Because we were wrong. He, right now, is happy feet in the pocket. Andy will talk more about it. He has more about it. And I don't get – we can set him up for better success. Later in the game, we did it good, but we came out flat-footed. Why are we coming out not running play action? Why are we coming out not having our very first play be a run play 
It was a Jebbia scramble. I don't get that. That, but the game went on. They improved. They better play calls. They relied on the running game. BJ Baylor is not as much of a drop off as we might have said at the beginning of the year. Mm. Um, he good point, Brock. Good point. And I will put some of the honest on the tight ends and the the wide receivers. Jebby has not given you the best balls. He has thrown them behind you. But yeah. if that thing is within you gotta catch a it. foot or two of your head, you got to catch it. I don't care. Yeah, Musgrave kind of soft. Just yeah. I'm not saying Hodgins, you know, in a five-foot radius, and Luton just prays to God that Hodgins catches it. Doesn't, doesn't need to be full of that. But if that ball hits you in the head or anywhere near it, you better catch it. <laughs> I don't care if it's behind you. It, it, it's within a – Well, are you talking – are you talking about our O-linemen? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Are you talking about our O-linemen as well? Basically, uh, catching brought. I don't know if that's okay. Legal play. I don't know if that's yeah. legal. Just wondering. Anyways. I, anyway, I want to – I'd like to clarify. Are you referring to our O-linemen? I am not referring to our O-linemen. I'm referring to our tight ends when they're in the goal – in the end zone, and it hits them almost in the head. <laughs> Catch the damn ball. Okay. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just add a couple things I, I, to the – play calling point yeah I, th- I thought it was a little better playing door strengths obviously running the ball and they didn't start that way but they did end up changing course and running a lot on first down which is smart I think Deshell our good friend Nick Deshell went back and charted and made you're not going to get hit in the chest every time especially with a quarterback who's you know feel- feeling a little under duress or uncomfortable in there and of course, Jebby has got to improve, too. I mean, throwing for 86 yards, there's no excuse for that. You just can't. You've got it. And, and missing the wide-open ones, because it's not very often that they are open and he's got a clean pocket. You've got to hit those throws. So, anyways, yeah, Jebby needs to improve. The receivers need to catch the ball, and the running backs need to tuck their undershirts in or cut them to uh, rip That's the most play. important, yes. I like to when Andy tweeted up Beaver uh, equipment for that. <laughs> Uh, great point. I would like to, this yeah. is a little ask the audience, um, cause I'd like to get a response and this is a serious question. I know we have five people out there that are listening to the show, but please respond to us on Twitter at 35th and Jackson. What is Jebbia's strength as a quarterback? And I really would like to know what people's opinions are, because let me just say with the naked eye, what, what goes on huddle presence. Huddle presence. No pocket presence. Cannot feel the rush. Small hands like Cody Vance. <laughs> he cannot throw on the run. I thought his best throw was maybe maybe a bootleg action, but oh my gosh, no. Cannot throw a deep ball, like a deep out. He doesn't have the arm strength, which isn't a deal breaker. It's just that's not that's a he can't do it. He's not fast. Like, he, he's a little mobile, but he's not fast. He's not going to outrun a DN very much, which is sad. Um, he's not – he can't – he gets passes tipped. So, again, I, I'm really trying – because I really like Tristan Jebby as a person, as a teammate. He seems like a good guy. Um, but I'm really trying to figure out his strength. And – and there's, there's some comparisons. You know, we think about Jake Luton, and I want to say all hail Jake Luton because, you know, wow. I, I want to be on air and say I'm sorry to uh, Jake because he was a great quarterback at Oregon State. But, but the thing that I want to emphasize here is he had a rocket arm and was 6'7". 
he his he his best throw was a deep out. He also made quick decisions. You know, yes, we talked about how he was a one read quarterback, but Jonathan Smith maximized his strengths, and and, and I were maintain that. And, and granted, but Jake Luton had strengths, and now that I'm realizing it, it's like, what is Jonathan Smith supposed to maximize with Tristan Jebbia? And, and if anybody can tell me that on Twitter. I'll get you an Uber Eats card. That the a show sponsor sponsor will give you some cash for some Brown tots. Okay. And I really am serious about this. And and I'd love to hear from the peanut gallery here what you think Jebby's strengths are. And I and I'm being serious. And Andy, don't say pocket presence, okay? To to be joking, okay? No huddle. Presence. I want to hear if people know his strengths because I really don't know, and I couldn't tell you. What his strengths are, and and this this thought of oh the receivers need to be better, the O line needs to be better, you know. Okay, there's been he's missed, he he hasn't completed one throw easy, and I and I want to say he, and and this could be an exaggeration, but I have I don't remember a throw this season in these two games where I've been like wow that was an easy pitching catch right on target and the receiver got yards after the play. Even the only one I can think of is when he threw it over the middle to Musgrave, and then Musgrave tripped over himself for a non-touchdown. That's the only play I can think of, but I don't know if that ball was even on him. And you see these receivers that, and even there is a play I believe it was against Washington. Champ runs a deep out. Actually, it probably was Washington State. Champ runs a deep out. There's nobody within 20 yards of him. And he has to literally sit on the ground to catch the ball. And remind you, he's 5'5". Five, five. And he had to sit down to catch the ball. The peanut gallery will chime so, in here. Go ahead, peanut yeah, gallery. Yeah, you don't have to be good at all those things. You just can't suck at all those things. And I don't know. I, I, to answer your question straight up, I don't know what he's good. What his strength is to play to. But when you have Jamar Jefferson, B.J. Baylor – the, the receiving core and the tight ends we have, all you have to do is manage the game. And so if, if, if Jonathan can find a way to get Jebbia to manage the game and play fine, because he, he obviously has some leadership-ish presence of some sort, players like mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. make him a game manager, set him up for success. He's got the people around him. I don't know what that takes. I've never turned a quarterback into a game manager, but that's what I would say. Just can't suck at all those things at one time. You just have to be mediocre. That's all we need right now. Yeah, I I think going into the season, I would have said that his short throws and attacking the middle of the field, honestly, just kind of a, a quick hit QB that could, could make the reads and get the quick passing game going. Uh, a little different than Luton, or there would be a little bit longer developing or throwing the ball vertically down the field, but he's not – He's not showing that he can consistently do that. And again, I we're two weeks in, so who knows? He, he could improve there, but that's what I thought coming in. But now it's not showing to be that way. So really interested to see how he responds this week. Because, yeah, with that running game, it should absolutely lend itself to what I perceived as his strengths in the beginning of the year and throwing over the middle. Keep it moving. And hit up our game brats for the week. Who would you give a game brat for this performance? Well, Stop. Kirk Armstrong gave it Please to Jimmy don't. Lake when you think about that. <laughs> Such a great coach. What a joke. 
fraud. You're a fraud, Kirk. We've known this because all you do is talk about Mario and you talk about how great of a coach he is, which anybody who has a brain would not agree with you. So anyways, uh, I would say my game brought – I mean, this is kind of – he got special teams player of the week, but champ. I mean, let's point out, and, and Andy and I, we, we get giddy about this. A Washington player on a return carried champ like mm-hmm. around the field like an accessory, like a doll. He picked him up, literally picked him up and carried him, like and walked around with him. So we always talk about this like in our fantasy, but but now a player is actually carrying him around on the field, an opposing player. One, how is that not a penalty? Just wondering. How is carrying around another player like and, and physically grabbing him? And yeah, I get, you know, some guys get like, you know, they grab him and then they don't let go of him like when they're trying to run. But literally he picked him up and carried him around right. for 10 seconds. He almost took him to the other sideline. And, and, and I – yes, yes. And then he puts he puts the little accessory down, and the accessory is jawing at him. My favorite thing he's – and and you know you know that Champ is pro- – this is what I would say. And you know that Champ is smart. And this is probably what he's saying. He goes, yeah. oh, I'm 5'5". Five, five. I'm 5'5", five, five and you're carrying me around. Yeah, yeah, cool. You tackled me. That's what I would say. And uh, Andy said that <laughs> he probably had some other choice words that he probably can't repeat on air, um, but that are are very valid. So, anyways, my game brought goes to Champ. He's always there. And really, I think the play of the game, besides the officiating crew, and, and nobody's really talking about this, is they, there was a reverse in the fourth quarter, and then it was actually a brilliant play call. Uh, it was a handoff to B.J. Baylor, and he tossed it to Champ on a, on a reverse coming back. And I don't remember the guy's – oh, no, Dinwiddie? No, his, his last name was like – started with a D and was like DeWalker or something like that. He was also the Huskies' punt returner. The corner comes all the way across the field, all the way across, is sprinting, and, and comes in on Champ like a – makes Champ look slow. And that could have been a legitimate touchdown. There was nobody – around that and he comes in hits him hard and, and and it was an eight yard game something like that and nobody was even really talking about that play the guy just came out of nowhere one of the best plays i've seen by a defensive back in 10 years by any team so props there uh i'm gonna say obviously jamar jefferson but um i'm gonna give one out to uh avery roberts um i'm looking at the defensive stats right now i haven't i actually haven't done this until right now he had 15, yeah, 15 total tackles. Yeah. Um, I know we're talking positives here. That is impressive. 12 solo tackles. Him and our, uh, Amar, uh, Omar are amazing. But uh, anti-bra here, we had zero sacks and zero. zero. How do you go through an entire game? Against so this would be a hot dog. This would be a, <laughs> this would be a Hebrew national hot dog. Yeah, and not, a, and or not an Oscar Mayer. An Oscar Mayer hot This dog. has got all sketchy meats in it. How do you go against the what is he a redshirt freshman and not have a single QB hurry or sack? And I, I, I was, that's that blows my mind. Zero and zero. Anyways, take it away, Andy. Yeah, valid point. And uh, I do like giving out the anti brats I mean, it's pretty harsh, but that's Oscar Mayer. No, it's Oscar Mayer. All Wiener. the nasties in it. Okay, and plain, no bun dipped in water. 
and cold and cold. Dips and lemonade. How about dips and lemonade? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. There's no, no, no. Uh, let's see. Who would I give this game brought to? You? It's really hard. I'm just, I'm very upset. If I, I mean, if this was a Washington Huskies podcast, I'd give it to the officials. But uh, or Jimmy, Jimmy Lake gave it to yeah, his he, offensive it coordinator. Really, How about that? Really, uh, you guys saw sophisticated that. offense. Great offensive ran, game, like really impressive. And they didn't even. They only gave their best running back nine carries. But if anybody was watching, McGrew was yep. ripping us to shreds, and he got nine he carries. Got hurt. They didn't give it to him after halftime. Dumbest. That's that's like get, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I'll just say that my game brought. Let's see. I'll give it to Jaden Grant. He played pretty well, so. I'll, I'll throw in his way. He's been playing solid. He's all over the field. So he can have the game brought. All righty. So with that, we're going to move into the really fun segment of previewing yet another game, hoping that we can sneak into the win column. So Oregon State is playing Cal this weekend, 1230. They're coming off the loss, as I mentioned, 34 to 10 to UCLA. So what do the Beavers need to do to get a win here on Saturday? Brock, let's start with you. Uh, not have your QB fumble twice. Have refs that spot it correctly. <laughs> uh, what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, seriously, establish the damn run and don't go away from it. I don't, I don't know what else to say other than that. I, I run the damn ball. Don't turn the ball over and you'll win a football game. I haven't watched Cal. I don't know anything about them. They have their Garbers QB guy. I remember they had some linebacker that's kind of good. I haven't looked him up. They got crushed. I don't know why. Um, so I, I can't give you an, an accurate insight into the game. Do you pay us? You don't pay us enough for that right now, uh, Simmons and Andy and Con. We need we need some more in, uh, value here so I can spend more time on the research. But what I do know is tuck your shirt in, get the right spot, <laughs> run the ball. We're probably going to win. And with that, I'm going to say... <laughs> We're probably going to win? Oh, jeez, Louise. Please. Wow, I want one. No, that's, You're on, Brett. That's what I was going for. My score prediction, Cal 28, Bede uh, 14. Wait. You, so, okay, so, Brad, thanks for not going to do this. He's, he's on something. <laughs> it's, let's move on from that. You can't make any logic out of that. Can't you make any of what you just said. by two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Anyways, <laughs> I think what the delusional Ethan Brown. Who knows what he's on right now? He must have been <laughs> those Oscar Mayer leaders. Um, really effed him up. So uh, what I would like to see is to have the UW offensive coordinator this week and just run the ball every single play and not have our quarterback throw. Uh, I, I think they had 51 rushing plays, if I if I read that right. I'd like to see Jamar 30 carries, BJ 20 carries. Okay. I'd like to see somewhere in that. I don't see a reason why we couldn't make that happen. I actually, you know, I, I watch the film every night after these games. So, yeah, this last We don't have the all 22, so it's irrelevant. 
Okay, I, d- I didn't catch that, but okay. Anyways, um, what I, I actually have seen the defense kind of in this bend but not break mode. They actually picked up kind of where they left off last season. If you remember, Washington and uh, WSU and Oregon, I, they had very little tackles for loss and sacks. They were just kind of out there um, playing, but but really not costing us the game. And that's the thing. If you were to ask me, I think the defense played well enough in both games to win. I, they didn't they didn't you know go over the top or anything, but they didn't cost us the game. Our offense has cost us the game both times. So I just like to point that out. If the defense steps up again, and if the defense has a positive game, meaning they uh, score a defensive touchdown, um, get a few sacks, get a turn, a few turnovers, whatever, then I do think we can win even with the mediocre offense we have. Mediocre is a generous statement, by the way. Um, I would say poor offense that we have. It's just one of the teams needs to step up. The defense is playing mediocre right now overall. So if they play good, we win, even if the offense plays bad. However, if the offense plays even mediocre, we win the game. So, I mean, that's just where we're at right now. And Cal's not a good team. Uh, to get your the doors blown off by UCLA, who's who got, got beat by Colorado, I just don't see how, how they're going to be even – I think they're going to be competitive, obviously. I think they have a positive defense, but – you know, at this point, it's kind of – you just don't know. And Chase Garbers, I don't care what anybody says, he's not good. Okay. Uh, is he better than our quarterback? I mean, yeah, Ethan brought uh, intramural quarterback. Okay, is pretty much better than ours. So, at this point, I'm just looking for either the defense to have a great game and win the game or the offense to play mediocre and we win. With that being said, I'm going to follow on my trend of last week, predicting a blowout, and then the game's close. So I say Cal 52, Oregon State 10. So 52, 52 to 10. Andy. And Brott's got it 28-14. So last, last week he said 45-7, Washington, and it was closer, so that's good. Yes, yeah, so trying to okay. trying to keep that, 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 that vibe. Well, I gotta say, yeah, looking at Cal, watching the highlights, they did not look like the Cal team from last year. There was missed tackles. Their offense got nothing going. I mean, they scored ten points. I think they scored on their first drive too, or early in the game, and they hardly did anything after that. Um, there were some turnovers. They just, they just didn't look. They didn't look ready. Of course, they, you know, had been. That was their first game. It was played on short notice on a Sunday morning, and they were the road team. So you got to take some of those things into account. But I think Oregon State will break through in this one um, just by establishing the run, riding Jamar and B.J. Baylor, giving them tons of opportunities, uh, staying ahead of the chains on first down. And then, yeah, like you said, the, if the defense just plays solid, um, that's going to be enough to get it done. The offense just has to execute at – basically a C level, and I think they can squeak out a win versus Cal. So I'm going to say Oregon State 24, Cal 17. Beavs win. Well, yeah, thanks for thanks for clarifying. Uh, not that your score prediction <laughs> said the Beavs win. I'm just trying to, you know, just going to keep it positive. We say finally get in the win column, and then we start our ascent back into the Pac-12 North. Uh, contention. 
So yeah, they're gonna end up. They're gonna rebound from this. They're gonna go. They're gonna win the last four games, and they will find a way. Washington State will drop uh, another couple, maybe, and Washington will drop a couple. It'll all work out. Has this? This could be a dumb question. Has Utah nope. even played a game yet? They haven't, right? Yeah. Interesting. They're just resting until the Pac-12 title game. Um. So we'll 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 sit there with our predictions uh, again. I think Cal is a tough opponent. You can't take too much out of last week just with what was going on. But I think Oregon State, being their third game, uh, being at home and just kind of, I I, I feel like they're going to start to make some improvements here um, and, and slowly get things on track to where they're they're pulling out some of these close games as tough it is as it is with the opponents getting more and more difficult but I think I think they will have what it takes to get this game Andy I would like to ask you a question we, yeah. we can skip our other segments here <clears throat> um, and this is serious so you know you just said I you think they're gonna the beavers are gonna make some adjustments and whatnot. I actually do have confidence, and this is one thing I've not lost. I do have confidence in the coaches um, that as the season goes on, they'll figure out the identity of the team, make some adjustments. Yeah, granted, it's only six games, so might be too little too late. However, I would like to ask you, and what what confidence do you have? Because, you know, what Jonathan Smith doubled down this week and said, Tristan Jebby is our starting quarterback. And will be going forward. So, I just want to hear your your opinion on that because you know we've been talking about we have to play Nolan. What do you have to lose? You know all that kind of stuff. And I agree with that. But but hearing Niner double down on that, and he seemed pretty confident. Granted, you know what is he going to say? No, Tristan's <laughs> horrible. We're benching him. No, he's not going to say that. But I, I would like to just hear your point of view on that and kind of your trust in the coaches at this point in the season. Specifically around yeah, you know, the quarterback I, in the offense. I, again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you and say I think Tristan's done a, done a good job to this point. I've been pretty vocal about it. You, you know, or sending a lot of texts during the games about it. It's been very frustrating to me. Uh, I guess I, I did expect him to play better coming into the season. And to your point about Coach Smith and what he said in the press conference and saying, "No, he's our guy. We're gonna ride it out. He's he's a starter." Um, you know, the more I think about it, I mean, it's just it's just a tough position to be in because it's such a condensed season. You're trying to figure these things out that you'd normally be figuring it out against an FCS opponent and maybe a lower tier, uh, you know, um, FBS opponent. So that gets magnified now having to play Pac-12 teams, good teams, solid teams with, with superior athletes. Um I just don't think he can at this point. You, you know, two games, it, it's, it would just be hard. It puts him in a bind. Whether he believes it or not, of course he's going to go up there and say that, and he's got he's to instill confidence in his guys. And I think he, he gets it being a former quarterback himself. But what else is he going to say? I think it's more about it's two weeks and a benching this early. It just it wouldn't sit well. It just it – just, People kind of like, well, then why, how was he named the starter in the first place? Or, you know, it's just it's just kind of sends mm. mixed messages mm. to your team, to the program. It looks unstable. So that's why I'm saying it, 
the more I thought about it, regardless of how Tristan is playing, he's he's probably was always going to get, you know, at least three or four games, even though it's only a six or seven game season, um, because pulling your quarterback after two performances is pretty tough. And then what people will also do is, even though it was pretty much garbage time and Washington State was playing very soft, they'll say, well, he threw for 300 plus yards in the first game and all that. And it, he did, but not until very late. Um, so I just, I just think with all that out there, Smith would sit, rather say, hey, let's just stay the course, believing that we can improve, believing that Tristan is better than what he's shown these first two weeks, and we're going to settle in and stabilize this thing rather than, oh, two weeks, okay, let's try Nolan. And then if that doesn't work, let's try so, – you know, I don't think he wants to go down that road yet. I think he wants stability, especially in this weird season where, uh, you know, you're, you're not sure – when games are going to be played, if they're going to be played, how, how many games. So no, I just didn't think point. it was realistic for him to bench Jebbia, even though, yeah, myself, I was I was ready to pull the trigger on Saturday and just say, get somebody else in there because it's just – it looks bad. Op, optics, it just – he didn't have it. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I still trust the staff and what they're seeing and what they've seen in practice that Jebbia can improve. That's that's some good insight there, Andy, and thanks for that uh, part because I know a lot of fans are talking about that and even, you know, some of our favorite people on Twitter have said it, and it's just tough at this point because, you know, if you don't trust the coaches from what – I mean, the fact that they are – that they won five games last year should give you at least another season of trust in the coaches, even if we were – even if we go 0-6 this year. Uh, the fact that they won five games last year with, with what they had, and I will say they've shown improvement in, a, in just a lot of areas. They're not, you know, they're competitive. That's the other thing. I think people forget yeah. how uncompetitive uh, the Beavers have been. And, I mean, I know I do. How uncompetitive they Se- were. Second halves, second halves three didn't, years. Were, I mean, just didn't matter at all for a long time. Yes, yes, and and the fact that we're in contention in these games is actually, if you just think about it and, you know, take your expectation glasses off of what you thought of the season, um, I, I do trust the coaching staff. I think it is, you know, it is sad and uh, it, it's it's depressing that, you know, you can kind of look back and be like, wow, we had Jamar Jefferson and B.J. Baylor at running back. We had some of these studs on defense, and what what did we really do with it? You know, you can't have that attitude. Um, but at the same time, I think there is a significant talent gap still. And this is, you know, what brings this up is seeing Gary Anderson flame out at Utah State again uh, and seeing and hearing from just our sources that we do have within the team of just some mentality stuff. I mean, you see the talent gap. If you want, if you want to look at the talent gap and look at one play on the talent gap, I encourage you to watch the punt debacle from the that the, the Beavers have posted on Twitter and all and all a bunch of people have said, "Oh, look at how great we did on this play." Watch number forty nine on the play, and, and and I hate to call him out because I really do like him as a person, but. I think he would even say, wow, I stroked out here. 
Watch number 49 on the plane. It's Andre Hughes-Murray. And, and this is the fifth-year senior on the team that's been in a college football program for five years. Has a body of a Greek god. And you watch him, and it is embarrassing. He runs 50 yards, dead sprint. And he actually looks semi – he looks um, not slow for a DN or a, a linebacker, whatever he is. But he comes up on a punter that is so unathletic. And he literally whiffs. The punter sidesteps him and he whiffs. And then the punter kicks it into Hamilcar's chest. But if you watch the play, you see him sprinting down the field and he just completely, he actually almost stumbles. He gets close to the punter and he just stumbles. So you see that and and, and I think people would consider Andre Hughes-Murray one of Gary's better players that he recruited. I really think they would. And you see that and then you just think, you just put on your thinking cap and you'll be like, wow, um, our, our upperclassmen, our, our senior guys, some of the guys that we're relying on to, to make significant contributions, that is their talent level. And I think it was apparent when we played Washington State that you, you see a Coach Leach who was there for eight years. He took them from a, literally the cellar dwellers, and they won 11 two games last year. Um. Two years ago, and they won nine games. Or would they? No, they went four, five, and eight, five and seven, four and eight last year. But but they were winning consistently nine games, ten games, eleven games, nine games, eight games. You know, going to a bowl game every year for four straight years, I believe. And, and you see that, and you're like, wow, he built a program. And it's not like he got fired; he just left. And then and then Rolo, who maybe is a better coach than we thought, but was able to come in with a quarterback that Leach recruited, mind you. Okay. And and show out because he has athletes. And, yeah, their defense couldn't stop anybody last year. They get a new coordinator. They get some new juice. And, and you can just tell their athletes are superior to Oregon State. Like, that's just a fact. Um, they are superior to Oregon State in, in almost every – I don't know. Maybe I would say middle linebacker. We have better athletes. But other than middle linebacker, almost every single position, they had a superior athlete. Granted, do they have superior coaching? Probably not. But there's only so much you can do. You look at Oregon, and you look at what a fraud Mario is. But we realized this is last week. He doesn't even have to coach. He really doesn't have to coach. Because the freaks that the Ducks have on their team, they have a 260-pound middle linebacker who runs a 4-3. And that was an exaggeration on this 40 time. But... It's you see the freaks that some of these other teams have, and then you look at the Beavers and you're like, "Wow, who are our freaks?" Um, I guess Hamilcar, but he's done nothing. Um, our five-five guy, okay. You, you know, it's like we. I guess you could say Jamar Jefferson, but even then, I mean, he's he's not that much of an athletic freak. He he's just a very good running back who has good vision and good feet, but he's not like, "Oh, I'm going to bowl you over, Marshawn Lynch, or anything like that." So. I just want Beaver Nation to understand where our program still is. And I'm having a realization even as I'm talking, and I think we all are, the talent gap is still pretty significant to a point where it, it can't be overcome with coaching. And I, and I think that is an eye-opener to me. And that's why, again, you see the Ducks playing 
they don't look good when they're playing. I'm not going to lie. They, their coaching is still suspect. And that's a, that's a generous thing. Yeah. They have a good offensive coordinator now, but you, Tyler Shuck is not a good QB. He's really not, but he's pretty fast. He can hand the ball off up the middle and they have some guys that, Oh, they make one handed catches. You know I mean? They have some speed guys. There's a lot of stuff there. But their their athletes in general are just better than everybody else's, and they're better. And the Beavers are probably, and this hurts, but they are at the bottom of the Pac-12 in athletes. They are the number twelve team in athletes. Would you agree uh, with that? Andy? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I, I would say they're definitely in the bottom bottom third, but I I don't know. Without having you know watched every team right now this year, they have done veteran recruiting the last couple of years with, with JC guys. So pro- probably still in the bottom third. I think they're making strides, but they're certainly not in the top, top four. Nowhere near that. I, I think that, yeah, they're, they're probably somewhere between eight. Uh, they're probably somewhere between in that 10, 11, 12 spot. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, you can wrap it up, Andy, but I just wanted to, give the fans some of that perspective because I'm learning it myself here, you know, and I think it's important to trust the coaches right now. I mean, they haven't shown us anything that makes us distrust them. It's just been disappointing. Yep. And we'll see. I mean, you know, things could, could change. You know, the schedule's going to be tough. You got Cal, hopefully can get a win this week, but then it's Oregon, it's Utah and you finish with Stanford, which looks right now as, as maybe a winnable game. But so it's, it's not, necessarily easy and, it, and it's going to be tough to get a read because you're just you're thrown into the fire and they're not 100 percent where they want to be yet to be fully competitive um but i think we will learn a lot about them in the next few weeks so it'll be interesting we'll be watching we'll keep analyzing as we go but that's all we've got for you this week don't forget oregon state takes on cal 12 30 saturday reser be there be square This week's show brought to you by Ascend JD, Find Your Peak Fitness. Thanks for joining us. Con, you got anything else? Amen. Mario's a fraud.